0: Welcome to the What's Next podcast, where I have the pleasure of welcoming Alan Adamson to the show today. He is the co-founder of Metaforce, the author of Shift Ahead, Brand Simple, and The Edge. Prior to co-founding Metaforce, Alan was chairman, North America, of Landor Associates, a global branding firm. And before joining Landor, Alan worked on both the agency and the client side of the industry. At Unilever, he was responsible for leading the branding efforts for a number of major packaged good brands. He held senior management positions at Ogilvy and Mather and DMB&B. A sought-after industry commentator, Alan has appeared on NBC's Today show, CNBC's Squawk Box and Closing Bell and Fox Business Network. Welcome to the show, Alan.
1: Thank you, Tiffany. A pleasure to be here. And I think after that intro, we should just end it now, right?
0: I say that all the time. When people read my intro, I go, can you just call my mom and tell her that? Because.
1: <laughs> yeah, we're done. It's all we're done. We're done, right? Here. Ah, it's.
0: Anyway. It's. Uh, uh, it was. Uh, it, well, it was what I picked on the highlights. I mean, you've done way more okay. than I sort of okay. covered. So, you know, it really yeah, is okay. an, an honor and a pleasure to have you here today.
1: More than the Irish listener can hear. So.
0: <laughs> Well, I like to start off the uh, the show with something I call bullish and bearish. It's nothing too painful; just a couple of questions on some topics that I think uh, you might find uh, near and dear to your conversations, at least. So, are you ready?
1: Ready. I All have right. My jeopardy buzzer in the hand.
0: All right. So the first one is bullish or bearish. Do you think AI will have their own brand personas?
1: Definitely. Uh, look at sci. Look at sci-fi. Every 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 robot from the HAL 2000 had their own persona.
0: I think so too. There was something the other day about like HR hiring, <laughs> like have to hire robots and bots and AI. And I thought it was a very interesting blog post of of where this is going. Exactly. Really fascinating. All right, the next one. Um, this was a fun one. So, are you bullish or bearish on Dunkin' Donuts' new name, Dunkin'?
1: Pretty bullish because shorter is always better.
0: All right, all right, and then the last one, kind of along the same lines, were you bullish or bearish? And this is kind of a hard one. So like, dislike, right? But bullish or bearish on IHOP's campaign with the IHOP? If you were familiar with the, uh, you know, IHOP changing the pancakes to burgers,
1: I was more of a grizzly bear on that one.
0: I, you know, I thought creative. Everyone was talking about it. When was the last time that many people talked about IHOP? I mean.
1: Exactly. But uh, I guess the question will be how many people went there for a burger instead of a <laughs> well, pancake?
0: True statement, true statement. So hopefully those weren't too painful.
1: No, those were, those we pulled the band aid off rather okay, easily. Okay, good.
0: All right. Well, you know, I just, I, I'd love for you to just start around uh, the concept of brand. I think people talk about that a lot. And, and I think you've got some great insights into what brand is today versus what it used to be. Uh, potentially. And I'd love to hear just sort of your high level of what what do you think defines brand?
1: You know, it's one of those uh, areas that everyone is trying to throw more and more nomenclature and jargon in. And the the more complicated the jargon, the more you feel you need to hire an expert to figure it out. And of course, some of the best brands in the world were were built by people like Steve Jobs, who never, (laughs) never did that. Never, never studied it. Never, never was a brand person. So, for me, you know, less is more, and simpler is better. So, a brand is. What's your story? What, when somebody says Duncan, you know, what pops into people's heads? What's the what's on that shelf in your head? What's the idea that when somebody hears your organization name, your company name, or your name, what what uh, what idea? What story? People call it the brand strategy you know pops into people's head and branding, on the other side is how you get that story in the head to begin with, and branding you know is everything from yes, advertising and social media and but it's also the product design, the user interface, and in fact, the personality, uh, if we go back to your opening question, it's you know you know who are you you know who are you and how do you come across and so the challenge of branding is it's gotten a lot more cluttered and you know, a lot more ways to do it, but fundamentally you know, the process is the same. You need to figure out what you want to stand for. And then you need to get it off your PowerPoint presentation <laughs> and get it into someone's head, which has become... Yeah, a and, I,
0: and I was having this conversation with someone the other day, and I thought it was interesting. Not a new concept, but we were having this really great debate about Kind of brand awareness, sort of what you know, what what comes off the shelf shelf of your mind when you hear a name brand, right? Like you said, Duncan, right? Like what comes off? Do you think donuts? Do you think coffee? Do you think fast? Do you think you know? What do you think, Uh, family? Like what's the thought that comes to mind? But there's some differentiating factors in a brand, but there's also sort of relevance. Without relevance, the brand is Mm -hmm. almost worthless. Yep, And so we were having this differentiation conversation versus relevance. And what's the difference between those two? Any thoughts on that?
1: Well, that's, you know, you, you've really hit on the third rail there, which is most people say, oh, you know, I want to build my brand. I just got to get some awareness out. And of course, the fact that I've heard of, I don't want to overuse this, Duncan, um, you know, is nice. I, I know it's it's a fast food place, but if it's not different in a way I care about, different and relevant then me just remember the name Duncan is a waste. And that happens a lot You're in the Super Bowl. You see dozens and dozens of great ads that, you know, at best, you you know, when they're, when they're doing well, you can sort of remember the name of the company. But, you know, most of the time you can't remember, you know, why you should care or what's different about it. So the theory, again, is really easy. You know, the theory is to have you stand for something different that I care about. It's just execution of that. Yeah, and I would really say hard. now,
0: it, when you said just sort of standing for something, right, trust has become a huge thing uh, for brands. It's almost just table stakes, you know, and as uh, sort of we're both fans of Seth Godin. He's been on the show, and he's a dear friend, and and I love that he has said sort of the web is littered with early promises, you know, and, and these, uh, uh, then nothing happens. Right. So you're building this brand, as you said, I just need to get my name up. And then what does it stand for? What's its relevance, but more importantly, like, does the brand emanate trust today?
1: Yeah. And unfortunately in the, in the good old madman days, people gave you the benefit when they heard, you know, you came on the shelf with a product or said introducing new and improved, you know, know, several people actually believed you were new (laughs) and improved and gave you the benefit of the doubt. Unfortunately, unfortunately, when you start today, most people just assume anything that's marketed to them is, you know, not going to be trustworthy. Oh, and they are much rather hear about brands from their friends and say, who do you trust? Uh, because trust is a, used to be a table stick. It still is a table stick. Uh, but, you know, you don't go into the world a trusted brand today. You have to prove it. Yeah, and I think it was,
0: it was in one of your books that you actually said, I think it was in Shift Ahead, where – you said something like only 25% of brands that you studied changed in a positive direction. So you just said like new and improved, right? That changed. Why do you see that so many yeah. brands are feeling like they have to change? Like there's a very interesting campaign. I bring this up all the time with Wells Fargo. We don't need to go into what happened. But ultimately in the end, you know, their campaign now has been like, you know, it was sort of invented in 18 whatever and reinvented in 2018, right? So this sort of reinvention and reestablishment and, you know, it's new and improved. And why do you think so many brands are having to rely back on, hold on a second, you know, we need to go clean up our side of the street.
1: Yeah, well, there are a couple of things, you know, going on. One is they've stubbed their toe and they've lost that trust. So, you know, one way to get that trust in the theory and the books is to go back and say, we've been around since stagecoaches and, you know. 1884, and um, that sometimes helps a bit because it says, look, we, had, we stubbed our toe, but you got to zoom out and look at the long view. Don't just look at what we did yesterday. Um, but you know it, it, what's happening is that the pace of change, as I talk about and Shift Ahead, is accelerating. So it's forcing more and more companies to try to uh, stay relevant, uh, change their offer, and in the effort to try to keep up in this incredibly fast changing world, they sometimes get ahead of their skis. They sometimes go out there and make a promise. They, they're, they're not close to being able to deliver and they blow up their trust. So in their effort to not become your father's Oldsmobile, <laughs> they do something new that's not ready for prime time.
0: Which I completely agree with. And and if you think about people saying, look, I, I know that I need to get make a change. I don't want to get ahead of my skis, right? I don't want to get to a place where maybe I promise I'm going to do something. I'm just not ready to do it. But I feel like if I don't do it now, I'm going to miss the opportunity. And then they don't realize they're playing the short game versus, as you just said, the long game of widen out that lens, give it a beat, and give yourself some some opportunity and runway to to make sure that you're doing things uh, correctly, right? And so people know they need yep. to shift, but they're sort of worried of failing. And so what can people do to improve the likelihood of success or overcome this fear of the failing of, I know I need to change or I need to make some adjustments, but I just don't know how. And I, and I'm, and I'm worried that I'm not going to do it correctly.
1: Yeah. That's the other big thing, you know, besides the few people that do the uh, ready fire aim approach and just get out there and shift ahead and find out that they've haven't figured out exactly what that means. And going to really annoy a lot of customers, the other half of the marketplace is looking uh, down the road around the corner and saying, "Well, we need to change. we could do a or b and, and they're stuck in analysis paralysis, nervous that you know if they move in one direction and they're wrong, are they going to uh, they're going to upset the Apple cart and ruin their business so lots of companies get you know become you know, deer in a headlight. And even though they need to shift because the choices are tough and both options are complicated. And, you know, do you get into online banking? Do you get, you know, do you drop the donuts from Dunkin? You know, those are not easy decisions. And, you know, so a fair number of people just will end up studying for years that should we drop Dunkin and, uh, donuts and keep Dunkin? And by the time, of course, they pull the, the, the lever, um uh, they're too little to. Yeah, and I
0: think that you also outlined some great uh I I don't want to use great and red flags in the same sentence, but really when when people notice that something's changing in the business and then they're realizing I actually have to shift. Right. So, you know, something's going on. Uh and I love that you honed in on sales. It happens to be a topic I'm I'm pretty passionate about and uh talk about all the time. And and it's one of those things where I always have this opinion of invest when you're growing, (laughs) because Mm -hmm. if it's two or three, four quarters of slowdown and you're not making an adjustment by the time you go, you know, you've got a stalled growth situation or you're just flat, uh, that you can't correct or course correct or make those adjustments because you just don't have the money coming in. The capital's not there. So your first reaction is to cut costs and then you're just in this vicious cycle. Uh,
1: yeah. It's, it, I mean, both, you know, both things, you know, people look at sales and oh, you see how good we did last month. Great sales. And, and that usually is a signal that, no, oh, let's sit back and let's just steady as she goes. Uh, and of course, um, you know, that's the best time, as you indicated, to start thinking about shifting. Once the sky is falling um, and sales are dropping uh, and then you go to management and say, well, and we need to double double spending. And then they look at you and say, "But your sales are down ten percent. Forget it. You know, cut your costs. Yeah, you know, then it's too late." And so, lots of companies, uh, you know, sales is a lagging indicator. <laughs> By the time the sales are heading south, you know, it's often almost too late. Yeah,
0: totally agree. And so, when it, I would say the same thing with brand, right? Because uh, you know, you have to make this and when i say big i don't mean millions of dollars i just mean you need to make investments and in sort of establishing right we've said what's the relevance of your brand the differentiation of your brand like are you establishing trust are you doing all those things it doesn't happen overnight and i i tend to see companies pull the pull the plug because they're impatient in seeing the return on that long game investment do you see the same thing
1: yeah it, you know it both Dynamics. One, when things are good, oh, everyone knows who we are. People know we, you know, why spend money on brand now? Let's, uh, you know, and then of course, when there's an image problem or a product problem or people find you're becoming less different and relevant, you know, then if you step on the gas, you're already um, behind the eight ball. So it's almost, you know, it, it, it's part of shifting ahead successfully is proactively moving your business and not waiting for the marketplace to tell you you're falling behind because once the marketplace signals you're falling behind either with falling sales or consumers thinking you're irrelevant or not for them it's really hard to change
0: You know, I hear a lot and we talk a lot just, you know, in transparency, right? I work at Salesforce, but ultimately we talk a lot about the voice of the customer and sort of customer success and the role that that plays in the decisions that we make. And our CEO famously has said that, you know, behind every product decision is a customer, right? Behind everything we do is a customer. And in some ways that customer could be an employee, you know, part of our ecosystem, if you will. And so how do in this fast paced, as you've said, differentiation, everybody kind of sounds the same. How do you stay close to the voice of the customer or what customers expect from you for, as a brand? You know, in today's market, without saying, you know, the Henry Ford of, you know, if I did what my customers wanted, I would have made faster horses, which. Right. And so how do you listen to your customers, adjust the brand at the speed and pace across this vast um You know five generations of workers i mean it 's really difficult, so what role do you think listening to customers plays in in brand- you know marketing and branding today?
1: Well, everyone of course talks about it when you talk to anyone 's marketing oh we 're very customer centric we 're always listening and and um in the research we found there two things were happening: one is that they, they were probably talking to their, you know, not exactly the right customer. Maybe they're diehard loyalists and not talking to people that were on the verge of switching. But the other thing is, I think, and this is uh, uh, yeah, another obvious, there were no, uh, oh my goodness, I never thought of that. Another obvious thing is, as you just mentioned, people um, often don't tell you what they're thinking or don't really even know. So it's almost as, important to to watch consumers as to listen to them because uh, there have been many cases and we all know them when you ask consumers what you want in a soft drink they'll say taste tastes great less filling but all of a sudden when you watch them consuming it or in the shop or in the supermarket aisle their behavior is totally different so you know just listening is not enough unless you've got somebody who's really good at asking questions that gets them beyond the you know canned answer you know you no, know, you do focus groups about advertising and no one will ever say, oh, I like that ad. I believe it. You know, they will tell you a hundred reasons why it doesn't work. So, you know, yes, listening is important, but to listen well, you need to have someone ask the right questions and, you know, don't only use your ears, use your eyes.
0: Yeah. And I think that you just said something as well. You know, I, I think asking in a formal fashion, like a customer satisfaction survey You know, that doesn't get to the heart of it. Right. Because they're going to say, yes, of course, you know, you could be leading them or it's in a focus group. And Mm -hmm. I'm not I'm not necessarily um, saying those aren't valuable. What I am saying is that's not the only way. Right. I I mean, I think I I often say sort of undercover boss to me is like this massive, like master's view (laughs) into what not to do, you know? Because I always laugh that these CEOs, like put makeup on and change their hair or these executives, right? Do all these things to sort of disguise themselves. And in my head, I'm like, I don't know why you're Mm -hmm. disguising yourself. Your people don't know what you look like because you've never been to the stores. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean that's the other. Yeah, you know, we we spoke to a, a cultural anthropologist who does a lot of work in customer research, and one of the quotes that Paco Underhill uh, told told us is that you know find the find the desk furthest away from the customer, and that's usually where the leader of the organization sits. Yeah. And so, um, you know, it's yes, you 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 can get out and ask people, and uh, they may give you the right answer, but I think you know far more is to effective is to is to watch them, and have a little bit of ability to just be skeptical. When they say they're happy, as you know, the world is driven not by people that are sort of satisfied, but we're driven now in the word of mouth world by social media. And people only share extraordinary, extraordinary bad or good. No one's going to say, I had a pizza and it was pretty good and the cheese was hot and They didn't spill it on me. No (laughs) one will share that. Somebody will share, you know, I had a pizza and, you know, I, you know, something horrendous happened. Oh, and, but for you to get them to say, you know, if you're hungry for lunch, you should go get a pizza at Domino's, you know, you, you need more than just, you know, not giving them food poisoning as a benefit.
0: (laughs) Probably a good idea though, either way. (laughs) But I, you know, I think it's the going out uh, and seeing, you know, I speak to, I speak often and I'll say, okay, how many of you in the room are? you know, marketers and how many of you in the room are sellers. And, and I'll, I'll literally say, okay, marketers, you know, I pick on them a little bit because, you know, I, I've sort of, I'm a seller first and then I was a marketer. So, you mm-hmm. know, I'll say how many of you marketers have been on a sales call physically in the last 30 days?
1: Yeah. And not, not a lot of hands go not up, a lot right. Of
0: hands go up, right? And so I say, and so I, first thing I want you to do is I want you to go out on a sales call. But what I don't want you to do is go out on a sales call and go, you know, hi, my name's Sally or Bob or Jim or John. And I'm a marketer and I'm out here seeing how my wonderful PowerPoint presentation does in front of the customer. Because then that's what, what you just said is going to happen. Oh, it's great.
1: Right? You'll be on the milk run, right? As I said, they'll, right? they'll, they'll take you through the three stores that actually read your PowerPoint presentation.
0: Right. Versus saying I'm a new hire salesperson. And then say, right. you know, okay, you know, the marketer will say, okay, you know, Tiffany, I want you to go through the sales deck. Okay, I'm going to go through the sales deck, right? And I open up the sales deck, and I, you know, I'm on slide two, and the customer sort of like totally tunes out and goes, look, I just don't want to watch this PowerPoint, right? And so mm-hmm. then we're walking out, and you say to the marketer, like, I've told you 25 times, last 25 times, I've tried to show this this PowerPoint that you've spent all this money on, all this branding, got a new ad agency, did all this creative, like, did all these focus groups, la 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 la. And no one wants to see it, but you didn't trust me that I'm telling you that you just think sales is, you know, a difficult. <laughs> that was my polite, correct way to say that. Right. And then. <laughs> yeah, and it,
1: it, exactly. And, you know, part of it is we're just creatures of habits and people have trouble getting out of their bubble. So lots of people just go to the office, double click and think their job is to, if they can double click on more emails than the person in the next cubicle, they win.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, you've got in the edge, you had a bunch of tips for from top brands that you felt really led the market and I know that was a few books ago. And so I'm interested to hear, you know, of the tips that you thought were really like well those are really unique and and interesting and I I what I didn't think about it that way. Have they shifted since then? Cuz to date the book right to today, would you say wow the ones that I thought were really going to resonate and really work have now already shifted that quickly?
1: Now, I think a lot of the basic ones are still the same because what's happened in the in the changes we've seen over the last five or ten years is the digital and and the so has accelerated what was already true, so you know it's um still really important one of the things was to always look at things with fresh eyes you know and that's hard to do you know having a little bit of a Jerry Seinfeld in you if you're a marketer you know you ever wonder why people do that, and if you lose that sense of of curiosity and fresh eyes you become less able to see the changes in the road ahead and you you know by the time you see it you're already in the pothole
0: yeah and and you know knowing that we've got an audience that is you know from the listeners here at what's next sort of what's next from a branding perspective so you've got this cross section of marketers and sellers and customer service customer success leaders uh, you know, what would be the things that you'd say, look, if if you could just do one or two things uh, you know Monday morning, w- what what would they be?
1: Yeah, two things are going on, we all see them. you know, one is like watching ten year olds play soccer. You know, everyone's chasing the shiny new objects. Yeah. So everyone's jumping and you know those are you need them. those are important. but um you know, it's not to say that every other, customer touch points are relevant. You can still win on just having better product design or or an instruction book that somebody reads or better customer service. So, So, you know, just don't get sucked into the chasing the shiny new object. And the other thing sort of tied to that is there's such a pressure because there's so many more ways to get out there with your story that, you know, there's a checklist mentality. We have a good website. We've done a good sales kit. And we've done this is okay. And everything looks okay. But in today's world, just being average is over. So you're you're better off doing three things great than five things just good. <laughs> uh, and that's really hard to do uh, because there is a tendency to try to do everything. And, you know, doing a few things incredibly well is still very hard, but it's going to make the difference between average marketing and sales success and above average.
0: And how do you think, you know, Those that are in the middle or aren't yet aware, if you were to say, look, ask yourself these one or two questions to see if you, if your brand is actually still relevant or differentiated or, you know, communicating what you want to do, because as you said, right, everyone's running so fast. They don't take a moment to step back and look at the wide lens, number one. And number two, they don't shift into this kind of beginner's mindset of, let me try to look with a fresh lens, even though I have years of experience behind me. Right. Right. How, how can they take a peek at what they're doing now and saying, you know, as what I think is happening, is it actually happening?
1: Um, you know, I'm a believer in two quick things on that. You know, one is if you go out and just ask open-ended questions, you, you don't learn a lot, you know. Um, uh, so you have to, if you go out and ask customers questions, you ask something provocative. We were doing a piece of research for uh, Go Back to Pizza. I don't know why I'm focusing on it today, and they were doing lots of research. and Do you want more cheese, less cheese, more crust, less crust? But somebody once dropped a question in early in our research: "Is if this company went away and disappeared, would it be surprising this brand?" And most people said, "No, I just go to the next brand." So what they were missing was not did they have the right amount of cheese, but you know there was an apathy towards the brand. They just didn't care. It was you know a commodity. So, you know, don't be afraid to ask, oh, you know, you know, if this brand were to go away, would you be upset? No one's going to be no one's surprised, as tragic as it is, as Sears is going away. Um, The only people that are surprised, perhaps, are the leadership of the company that they couldn't borrow more money. Uh, So um, that's one is is the, the other is prototype some alternatives. If you go in and say, here's a new idea, what do you think of this? And share new ideas with your customers, they'll tell you, yeah, you know, I don't know why I'm using that old product. This is a much better idea. So it's not so much about optimizing what you have, but using prototypes of enhanced and different ways to serve up your product or service will, will help you see what's around the corner.
0: Yeah. And then the last question, I think this is the hardest, is that sort of beginner's mindset. How can you disrupt yourself in something around brand, if, you know, if you're expecting to disrupt the market or pivot the company or make those shifts to use your terms, right. And sort of rebrand, you know, how, what would you say are the, you know, in the many people you speak to the one thing that has really helped them to disrupt themselves in that thinking?
1: Yeah. I get out of your bubble. You know, so many, we we hire people that went to the same schools, have the same background, see the world the same way. Um, You know, try to get out of your bubble. Uh, HBO had an interesting program. They hired lots of interns, but their interns were not sent into the back room to crunch numbers. Their interns spent time talking to the leadership of the company. They were reversing, saying, t- teaching the leaders of what was going on in social media or how to, how to use some of the new technology, what was going on with their generation. So it was interesting. They were using interns to keep the the, the leaders with fresh eyes. So get out of your bubble, go to neighborhoods you normally don't go to, you know, go into a store you don't visit, stand there and look. Don't look at your phone the entire time. Look up, observe people, ask questions. Just try to get out of your bubble. And it seems so trite, but you know, look around and smell the roses. Uh, don't just wait for an email to come in saying people don't like the cheese on my pizza.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Alan, this has been fantastic I'd, I'd love for you to share with the listeners uh, how they might be able to keep in touch and follow your work since you you know you have such great content out there what's the best way for them to stay in touch with you
1: uh, They can um, visit me at allen at uh, they can email me or metaphors.co, or they can uh, look at shiftaheadbooks.com. Uh, or Google my name, and occasionally that will work. So, uh, <laughs> when all else uh, fails.
0: Yeah,
1: when all else fails. Thank you for inviting me, Tiffany. It's been a pleasure chatting with you. Oh,
0: well, you. great. Well, thank you again, Alan, for joining me today on the What's Next podcast. What a fun conversation with Alan. I love talking about brand. I think it's one of the most misunderstood concepts today. Everyone is chasing after what they think brands actually mean and stand for. And sometimes it just comes off like it's not yours. So I'd say there were four things that stood out to me. One was do three things great rather than five things just good. That average marketing is over and get out of your bubble in order to make sure that you are keeping an eye on what's happening around you. And you're not so focused on what you're doing today that you're missing a change in the market that you need to actually make an adjustment to. But the one I really liked was when Alan said, sales is a lagging indicator. I think people look to sales as the tip of the spear, and it is the result of all the work you've already done around designing products, positioning your brand, how is it differentiated, how is it priced, et cetera. And so thinking about it that way may allow you to make different decisions tomorrow, especially when it comes to finding a lane for your brand and where you have relevance. So with that, I hope you enjoyed this episode of What's Next. Please leave a comment, subscribe, share with your friends, and I'll look forward to having you back next time. Have a great day.